the title of the message today is called The Helper. And I don't know if this will be a series. I'm not going to say, Katie. I'm just going to say today's called The Helper. And there's four times in the book of John, Jesus uses the word helper. Sometimes, depending on the translation, it may say comforter. Translations may say advocate. None of those are wrong. But it, it's a word that's, that's really hard to fit in a box. And if I can do anything today, I just kind of want to start to open up what Jesus was talking about when he's talking about the helper. And if time permits, which I'm not sure it will, um, what I'd like to do is look at, eventually look at three relationships the Holy Spirit has to you, and then also how that kind of coincides or correlates with the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, which is another description of, of what uh, Jesus called the helper. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll get there. We may have to finish next week, but we'll get started. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn, I want you to turn to John chapter 14, and we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. John chapter 14, and we're going to start at verse 9, because I kind of want to read this in context a little bit. This is Jesus speaking. He says, he who has seen me has seen who? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So, if you remember that John said in John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 he says, And the Word, which was Jesus, became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. Paul says in the verse, or Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he says that Jesus, speaking of Jesus, says that He was the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 said He was an exact replica of His nature. So that when Jesus comes... He is literally God in spirit, but He's clothed in a body. And so that Jesus, although He's here in the flesh, He is literally God. Now we know He laid aside His God-like qualities to live as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, but nonetheless, He was 100%. If you've experienced Me, if you've been a part of what I'm doing, if you've seen Me, I reflect the Father so much that you can as well, you can say you've seen the Father. It's one and the same. He says, so how can you say, this, he's answering Philip here, he says, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And we kind of talked about that last week. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12. Next slide. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now we come to verse 16, which is where Jesus begins to introduce the Holy Spirit to the disciples. He says, and I will pray the Father, or I will ask the Father, and He might give you the Holy Spirit. 
And that just jumped out at me this week. You know, we see Jesus praying. He's at the tomb of Lazarus and He says, Father, I know that You always hear me. And everything, Jesus had this, this relationship with the Father where everything He asked, remember I said last week, there's a level of intimacy that, that we can aspire to that we ask everything according to His will and He does it. And so Jesus is so confident, He says, I'll ask Him and He will send Him. There's no question. It's not, you, he might come, he may not come. If it's too cold, too warm, nothing. He's showing up. He says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you, and here's the first time, it says, another helper. We're going to talk about that a little bit. That he may abide with you for a couple days. So this is, this, he says that he may abide with you or dwell with you forever. That word abide is the same word we're going to see here in a minute. It means dwell. We talked about that last week. That we abide in the vine. That we remain in the vine. That we stay constant. We stay in the same place. Well, the word, the word abide really has connotation of a couple things. It means to remain the same as far as location. That he remains right here. It, re- it means to remain in terms of time that he continues to endure forever. And it also means that he, he remains the same as far as quality, that he doesn't change. And he says, I'm going to send him, and he's not just live with you forever, but he's going to stay the same. He never changes. He's, he's eternal. He says, he'll, I'll pray the Father, he will abide with you forever. Now, in the Old Testament, you know, we sing this song, we sang it last week, Shekinah, glory come. How many remember that song? Shekinah. Shekinah is not a Hebrew word. You won't even find the word Shekinah in the Old Testament. Now it's an English transliteration of a Hebrew word, Shekan, or Shekna, which means to dwell. And we know that the presence of God, the glory of God, dwelt where? In the Old Testament. In the Holy of Holies. And he said, the same way the, the Spirit of God dwelt or remained or abode or abided, I'm not sure what the right word is, abode or abided. Somebody can check me on that. Phil's a good fact checker. i got to watch. I'll say something and I'll walk out of church and he's like, you remember that story you said? I was like, yeah. He said the same way he abode, <laughs> uh, the same way he dwelled, in the, in, the, in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, He's going to dwell in you today. He says uh, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now He says, okay, I'm calling Him helper, comforter, but it is He is the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, will be in you, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. All right. Helper. Now, the word helper in the Greek, not that we're going to learn Greek, parakletos. So we get an English word paraclete. Not many people use it anymore, but it just means attorney. It can mean uh, advocate, something like that. But we get it from that word. So the word, the reason you see different translations use different words because it's kind of, it kind of has several meanings. Uh, 
Kikos or helper means one called to one's side or called to one's aid. So somebody coming alongside somebody else for the purpose of helping. Who does that remind you of? Jesus, right? A comforter, an intercessor, an encourager. Who does that remind you of? Jesus. One who pleads another's cause before a judge, counsel, or defense, and advocate. So, in the fact that Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you another comforter, that means that he had to have already been one. Right? So how can he send another one if that's not what he already was? So he's saying, I'm going to send another one just like me. And we know that the, that, uh, the book of Hebrews says that, that Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. Which means that if Jesus was an advocate then, what is he still today? He's an advocate. He's just in a different location. John, the same guy that wrote this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, My little children, I write to you that you don't sin. He says, I don't want you to sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the Righteous One. So he's saying, here's Jesus. So at one time, he's this advocate, intercessor, helper, comforter on the earth. But now that the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus is actually fulfilling that role at the right hand of the Father. So it doesn't just say that I'm going to send you a helper. He says another helper. Well, let's go to the next slide. Oh, let's read this in Amplify. So I like this. It says, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby that he might remain in you forever, the spirit of truth. I was in Madagascar about five, six years ago, and I was doing a teaching at a pastor's conference on the Holy Spirit. And so before the conference, I get with the translator, because Malagasy, is, that's what they speak in Madagascar, why it doesn't really work, but Malagasy, their, their syllables are like this long. So where Spanish, you guys remember when Salvador was here? Yeah, we're having back. And I was doing a little Spanish translation, and I caught him that one day. And I did said something, and he said something. You remember that? Well, in, in, in Spanish, it's pretty easy. But in Malagasy, it, it, it's very difficult because their words are like this long, like 27 letters back to back or something like that. So I'm going through this with the translator, and he says, why do you keep saying comforter? Why do you keep saying uh, helper? Because like, that's what the word is. He says, our Bible says prosecuting attorney. I said, when was your Bible written? He says, 1880. It was translated into our language. And I thought, what an awful picture of the Holy Spirit. Because too often people think the Holy Spirit is the one there to point out your faults. That he's the one there condemning you, the one judging you. And here's an entire translation of the Bible where they call him a prosecuting attorney. Now, if you've been in, in court, there's a difference between a defense attorney and a prosecuting attorney, right? You like, you like the defense attorney. That's your guy. He's on your side. The prosecuting attorney is working for the state. 
He's trying to convict you. He's trying to put you in jail. You don't like that guy. The Holy Spirit is your defense attorney. Jesus is your defense attorney. But it's not just limited to this, just that. This helper is really a much broader word than that. So he says, I will send you, next slide, another comforter. Another comforter. I want to talk about this for a minute because a lot of times we think, uh, well, I'm going to put on another pair of underwear. Right? Or I'm going to go get me another wife. Or I'm going to buy another car. And we use the word another to just mean a different one. Well, in the, in the Greek, they actually had two words for another. They had the word alos, which is the one that's used here, and they also had the word heteros. So alos means another one. It speaks of quality. It speaks of a qualitative, di- or I'm sorry, a numerical difference that it's a different one, but it's another one of the same kind. Heteros speaks of a qualitative difference. It's another one of a different kind. It's a different quality. It's a different substance. It's different. Let's go to the next slide. And Jesus says, he says, I'm going to send you another comforter, another one that is alos, another one that's identical to me. Right? Because he's been there with the disciples. They understand him. They know him. They've come to love him. And all of a sudden he goes, I'm going to send another one. And you're like, well, what's that other one like? Is it like getting another pair of underwear? Is it like getting another car? No, he says, I'm going to send another one just like me. And it has to do that the quality is just the same. The consistency is the same. The nature is the same. The character is the same. So I brought, I brought these two Bibles today. This was the first Bible that I ever studied out of. Now you can see... It's, it's kind of falling apart, right? This Bible was from 1996. I wore it out for 14 years. I'd preach from a page. I'd just pull it out and preach from a page. So finally, finally I got to the point where, okay, I've got all these notes in this Bible, and I need a new Bible. So I got this when I was 26. On my 40th birthday, my dad bought me this Bible. It is... Now, it doesn't look the same, but it's identical. It's a Thompson chain, not chain link fence, Thompson chain, I don't even know what it's called. It's a reference Bible. So I said, I want everything identical. I want page 1292 in this one to be 1292 in this one. And I want page 75 to say what 75 says here. This would be like Jesus saying, This is me. I was your comforter here on the earth. I'm your helper. I'm going away. And I'm going to give you another one. So that if you turn to page 757 here, and you flip to page 757 here, it's going to say the same thing. So that you can be confident when the Holy Spirit comes in to live in you and comes upon you, that He will never do or say anything 
that's not in line with Jesus Christ. See, that, see, a lot of times we try to make the Holy Spirit weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. <laughs> People make the Holy Spirit look weird. Like, I never knew anybody to say, well, that Jesus, he was a weird man. No, you're in all of Jesus. You're in love with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is an exact replica of Him. So that when He tells you something, it will always line up with what God's already said. When He leads you to do something, it won't be apart from the character and the nature of Jesus. They're one and the same. They are one and the same. So here's all I think of. If it's true of Jesus, it's true of the Holy Spirit. If it's true of Jesus, it's true of the Holy Spirit. So He'll never lead you, He'll never guide you, He'll never take you anywhere other than what's consistent with His nature. In, in John chapter 14, a little bit later in the chapter, verse 26, we have a laughing, uh, laughing couple here in row two. We need to pray for them to be delivered from laughter. Did you just send them the picture of me? Is that what just happened? Kristen is innocent. Uh, I can vouch that's not true. <laughs> Kristen is not innocent. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. Remember, when, when anything that, anytime it's in somebody's name, it means consistent with the nature and the character of the person that has the name. So when Jesus says, the Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name, he's going to send him in a manner that's consistent with my character and my nature. So that everything that he, he does will be consistent. So we know that, that, that Jesus is also called the Word of God. So you can be... That's why when it says that he says, when the Helper comes, he will bring to remembrance everything I have said unto you. I think Katie said this morning, she said, we need to get in the Word. How do we expect him to bring something to remembrance if we've never read it? Oh, I'll just sit here and God will pour the Bible in my brain. He could. He can do anything. But He probably won't. What He'll probably do is you're going to get in the Word, you're going to read the Word, and He said, whatsoever I've said to you, He will bring that to remembrance. So, if I don't spend time in the Word, and if I don't get in the Word, and I don't know what His Word says, I don't know if what I'm being told lines up or not. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or not. It might be the devil. But if I know this, I can compare this. So there's a thing in math called the transitive property of inequality. Any math teachers in here? No. All right, I'll tell you what it is. Quick, quick one. If A equals B... Right? If A equals B, and if B equals C, then A equals C. That makes sense? If A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. Jesus, Pastor Jay preached this, I am the way, the truth, Jesus in John 17, 17, praying to the Father, He says, Father, sanctify them by Thy Word. Thy Word is truth. Jesus is the Word. He's truth. Jesus equals truth. 
The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. Jesus equals truth. The Holy Spirit equals truth. Therefore, Jesus equals Holy Spirit. And you guys said you didn't know math. You just got it. You just got it. All right, let's move. Oh, my goodness. All right, so today, my wife, why don't you just preach your opener, and we'll get to the message next week. She tells me that every week. All right, so today we're just going to do the opener. Fair enough. Katie, it's a series, officially. <laughs> Mark my words. And I will pray the Father. So I want to go back to this. So uh, we'll just quickly look, and, and I want to, we'll come back next week. Uh, three relationships... Can we call it relationship status? That's, that's what I'm going to call it. I couldn't think of a name. Relationship status. Who's got a relationship status in here? Nobody? Come on, you guys are on Facebook all day long. Relationship status. I just got engaged. I just fell in bed with somebody. Yeah. Let's just call it out. You know, I was praying about Jim Bob, and the Holy Spirit told me that if I slept with Jim Bob, I could lead him to the Lord. Did he say that in here? And he ain't going to say it out here. A equals C. Remember that, A equals C. I will pray the Father, and He will give you another help. Another one just like me. I'm leaving. I'm sending my perfect, exact replica. That He may abide or dwell with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells. Now, in this verse, we get our first two relationship statuses. Status number one. He dwells where? With you. Now Jesus is talking to the disciples. The Holy Spirit had not been poured out yet, because that doesn't happen to the day of Pentecost. But He says He dwells with you, and future will be where? In you. So status number one. He dwells with you. How was the Holy Spirit dwelling with them when He hadn't even been given yet. Because Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's called the Spirit of Christ. Jesus had the Holy Spirit in Him. So the fact that Jesus was carrying the Holy Spirit with Him everywhere He went, everything they did, when Jesus is walking down the street with John and Peter... The Holy, not only was Jesus with them, but the Holy Spirit was with them. He wasn't in them yet, but He was with them. And then He says, He's not only with you, but where's He going to be? He's going to be in you. So in order for the Holy Spirit to be in you, where did He live in the Old Testament? 
other than heaven and everywhere else, but in the temple, right? The Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies, it was a, it was a really dirty place, filthy. There was garbage on the floor, little animal poop in there. No, there wasn't. It was very clean. It wasn't called the Dirty of Dirties. It was called the Holy of Holies. Couldn't get any holier. So that's where His presence dwelt. And He says that when He comes, He will eventually dwell in you. So He can't live in dirt. So He has to change you before He can live in you. He has to change you. He doesn't, he doesn't do rehab addict. Whatever her name. He's not Tarek and Christina. Who? He's not, he's not remodeling you. He literally rips the old down and puts a brand new you in you. He gives you a brand new spirit. Your spirit man is new. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He created something unlike anything else that ever existed. The brand new you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, I didn't get new thoughts yet. I didn't get new actions yet. But what I got was a new spirit. And that new spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, put on the new man. Speaking of the new, new spirit, he says, put on the new man, which is created, there's that word again, created in true righteousness and holiness. Imagine that. God created a spirit in you that's as righteous and as holy as He is. And the instant He did that, Guess where he took up residence? He moved in. He moved in. Now, does that mean you're okay yet? No, you're not. I'm not. But he's living in you. He's dwelling in you. If some people say, well, I'm such a sinner. How can I have the Holy Spirit in me? Or, you're a finger pointer. There's no way the Holy Spirit's in that woman. You know what she's doing? See, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, you now steward the greatest gift you can ever be given. See, this part of you has changed. This still needs to change. This still has issues. This has issues. If you read James, James says, the Lord just quickened this verse in my... My mind. Here's that thing about the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses. That's pretty strong words, right? What's an adulterer? Somebody cheats on their lover. Cheats on their spouse. He says, you adulterer and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or the enemy of God? And that the Spirit that dwells, where? In you, lusts or desires, not lust in a bad way, but desires to envy. 
He's literally saying, do you not realize that when you're playing the hooker, the adulterer with the world, that my spirit in you is still in you, but he's crying out, do you come back into a right, right fellowship, right relationship? He said, the spirit that dwells in you desires enviously, yearns while you're cheating, while you're shooting up, while you're stealing. He's wanting intimacy. He's not leaving because he dwells for how long? Till the next time you sin? No, he's in it for the long haul and he's not into divorce. He's not divorcing you. He's in it for the long run. He's in to bring change to your life. He's in it to start to, as I said earlier, that 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, We all, with open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one level of glory to another, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, transformation starts to take place once He comes in you. If I don't turn my attention to the presence, by nature I'm doing what? I'm turning away from it. See, you got to realize that He loves you no matter what you're in the middle of, and His presence will begin to transform your life. Don't run from Him. See, a lot of times people get scared of the Holy Spirit because of things we've seen. Or things we've, we've heard. He's just like Jesus. He's going to treat you just like Jesus would. He's going to love you just like Jesus, I shouldn't say would, like He does. He cares for you. He helps you. Just like Jesus does. I'll just give you the last one. and I'm gonna, We're just going to leave it at that. Next slide. All right, well, next slide. <laughs> We're just going to kind of flip through these. In you. Keep going. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? See, when He comes to live in you, I now steward something very holy. My spirit man is complete. But he says, hey, I'm calling you to a higher level, a higher standard of morality. Paul's writing this epistle to a church that was plagued with immorality. He says, do you not realize your body is that temple of the Holy Spirit? He says it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, same thing. He says, don't play that game. Next slide. Here's his third relationship status. I really want to take some more time next week to really get into it. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit is with you. And this really. The with you is when you're unsaved. The with you is Him inviting you into a relationship. The with you is Him letting you know that, hey, 
The Father loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's drawing you in. And once you've said yes, once you've said yes to Jesus, then He moves in. But that's not, that's not it. That's not, that's not the final relationship status. There's one better. It says in Acts chapter 1-8, it also says in the last book, or last chapter of uh, Luke, he tells him, he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you have been endued with power from on high. He says in Acts 1 he says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's come upon you. So he's with you before you get saved. He's already there. He's already there. The disciples were not saved when Jesus was with them. He was with them. The disciples actually got born again on resurrection day. If you look at John chapter 20, verse 22, you'll remember this. It says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How do I know they got saved on that day? Because on resurrection day, He breathes new life into them. I believe that's the day they got born again. But then He told them, okay, 50 days from now, He didn't say 50, but He said, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait till the Holy Spirit's poured out from on high and you're endued with power. Because there's something else. There's something more. That you can't do effective ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We can fake a lot of things. You can quote a lot of Scripture, you can do a lot of right things, but you really can't fake the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we read this verse that says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall do what? It doesn't say you shall do witnessing. It says you shall be witnesses. See, I can't effectively be a witness unless everything in my life testifies to the power of Jesus. I can share the gospel with you. You can receive Christ and get saved, but that's part of the story. Let's go to the very last slide. Now, one before that. Being a witness is more than just doing witnessing. It means that everything in my life becomes a testimony to the entire world. Now that might be Cumberland, that might be my job, that might be my region, whatever your circle is. But everything in my life testifies to the world that I live in. Everything that Jesus is. So he's not just Savior. He's also Deliverer. He's also Healer. He's also Provider. 
ipso helper. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. You cannot do it alone. See, that's what Jesus was talking about. He was in this perfect intimacy with his Father. And he says, unless you abide in me and I in you, you can't do anything. And that a lot of times we chase the power but miss the presence. We're going after the miracle. We're going after the healings. Power is not access to the presence. Abiding in the presence is what releases the power of God in your life. See, we get it backwards. We're going after this, going after that, going after that. And we're missing Jesus in the midst of it all. Turn your affection to Him. Turn your eyes to Him. Spend time with Him. Spend time in His Word. Let the Holy Spirit start speaking to you. And out of the presence, that power will begin to flow. Let's stand up. I want to pray for you guys today. I really had to just chop this in half. So we will we'll kind of build on this, all right? Because at the end of the day, if, if, if the devil can keep you from getting saved, he will. He doesn't want the Holy Spirit living in you. But once he's in you, he really doesn't want him upon you. Because it's a, when he's upon you, now you've got some ammo. Now you've got some ammo. Now you've got some power. So I always ask, if you don't know that Jesus is in you, that's, that's the first decision you need to make. Is he in me? It's just a matter of saying yes. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, I think it's Romans chapter 8, he says, if the Spirit of Christ does not dwell in you, you're none of His. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. Now the good news is, all you do have to do is say yes to Jesus, I put my trust in you, you become a new creation, the old's gone, new comes in, Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, I just want you to just give me, put your hand up. Put your hand up if that's you. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. I don't know that the Holy Spirit is in me. Anybody. Anybody. Everybody here, if it's you, everybody here wants you to make this decision. The angels in heaven want you to make this decision. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it now, I get it, but it's the best decision you could ever make. Now, I'll assume then everybody here has the Holy Spirit in them. But I can tell you this, just because the Holy Spirit's in everyone, He's not upon everyone. And just because He was upon you yesterday, last week, or last year, doesn't mean He's upon you today. See, even the disciples, once they were filled on the day of Pentecost, needed refilled. Filling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit.
coming upon you, it's a continual thing. And we're going to push more into this. But I just want to pray for you today. If that's, if that's the desire of your heart, I think let's just make a declaration today. Let's just open our hearts up to what God's going to start doing here. I believe he's got some great things for this church. I really do. I really do. Let's close with this. If that's you, if you want, a, if you want a, a, a filling of the Holy Spirit or a fresh filling, just repeat this. Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in me. I thank you that I belong to you. I thank you that you live in me. But Father, I want more. I want more. I want more. Father, I open up every part of my life. My thoughts. My feelings. My personality. My will. My body. For you to fill it. Holy Spirit, fill me in Jesus' name. If you meant that, God's Spirit is full in you. He wants to do great things through you. Father, I just thank you again today. Thank you for this church. God, it's so exciting to be part of just a dynamic church. Lord, I know you love each one here. God, I just pray that as each person prays out loud to you today, that they meant it. I pray that you would just reveal yourself to them. Give them, Lord, give them an experience that they will never, ever question or wonder if you're real or if your power is real. Just release that over everybody today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great fourth rest of the weekend.